All right, Heather. A through Z. Let's go with T. Time for some more strike news. (laughs) There's nothing right now. This apparently SAG and the studios are talking, but there's no further developments at this time. That's my strike news. Um, Outside of that, apparently Disney has, uh, I want to say it's Kevin Feige or somebody at Disney announced or said in an interview that they're going to now restructure the way that they do their TV shows for Marvel. Um, Apparently nobody was writing pilots. They weren't writing show Bibles. They were just kind of filming them like they were long movies. And then they'd go do reshoots to fix stuff and kind of making a mess with that. And apparently they are now, and they wouldn't even have showrunners. And so they are apparently getting away from that. And they were having like film executives and film studio people on the sets, like to supervise things. And that's just not necessarily the best way to film television shows. So apparently they are going to having showrunners. They are going to have actual TV executives on stuff. They're actually going to write pilots to see, you know, so that they can brainstorm and actually evaluate whether or not the entire plot of a show is going to work that way. They're going to have show Bibles and all that stuff. And in doing so, they also scrapped the entire writing team and showrunner from the new daredevil series. That was about 50% shot and they are going to more or less kind of start over. Yikes. Wow. And a lot of it's coming off the backs of while Loki season two that recently just started is getting fairly decent reviews. um, You know, secret invasion. Nobody fucking watched that. Nobody talked about it. No, nothing. I I haven't watched a single fucking episode of that show. It's Man, not bad. I haven't bad. even finished it. I, yeah. I, I, I haven't finished it. I started it. And yeah, I agree. It's not terrible or anything, but I haven't finished it. Like, Well, and apparently along the rumor mill is that the TV show Echo, the spinoff from Hawkeye that was also going to tie in with Daredevil and all that stuff, apparently it's super fucking bad from people that have like seen screeners of it and all this other shit. Apparently it sucks. And apparently no one is happy with it. That's why when they were announced its release or when they were going to release it, they announced that Loki was going to have the typical Disney plus one episode a week. And then echo was just going to drop all in one day. Cause they kind of just wanted to get it out and over with type of scenario and stuff. And but apparently they're trying to learn their lessons and actually change shit up because they are not happy with the way that the Marvel Cinematic Disney Plus universe is going. So, which to me, I don't know, just kind of makes sense. You have to run TV shows like a TV show. You know. Yeah, yeah, you lucked out a few times, but you know, you can't keep running the Disney Plus TV shows with the same formula over and over again because that's one of the problems that is starting to kind of, you know, show in the movies. The movies are failing more. The TV shows are failing more. They have to go to something. They have to change something up to get 
interest and excitement back into everything with it. So that makes sense. But it is kind of weird and sucky that like all of Daredevil's getting fucked right now. Like, and how do you fuck up Daredevil? Like, I'll never understand that. How do you fuck up Daredevil? Especially when all you've got to do is slightly reboot and just slightly keep going an already successful television show. Yeah. That seemed like a walk in the park. Yeah. Just do some more of that shit. Like that's it. Just do some more of it. You know, like all that shit you did for three seasons, do more of it. That's it. How do you fuck that up? But this is also coming, you know, from the same studio that weirdly fucked up Blade. And like have royally kept fucking up Blade this entire time with this, the movie they're supposed to be filming with Mahershala Ali. Like apparently they didn't have, before they were supposed to start filming the, the on the original film date that they were going to do for it, their script that they had apparently had two fights in it. For the entirety of a Blade movie. And it's like, come on. It's Blade. How do you fuck that up? Just have some vampires and you give them a sword and you go, hey, Blade, take your sword and jab the vampires with it. And, you know, apparently the original screenwriter was like, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to do any of the things that, you know, people love about Blade. You know what nobody's ever talking about? All the non-sword fighting shit from the Wesley Snipe Blade movies. No one's talking about any of that. Nobody cares about any of that. Like, why is Blade 3 the worst? Because it has the least amount of that shit. It has other people doing shit. Like, you have Ryan Reynolds stabbing people with swords. No, you, you, you just take Blade, and he stabs them with the swords, and that's what people want to see. You know, actually, which is funny... Because now everybody loves watching Ryan Reynolds stab people with swords as Deadpool. But I don't want to see that in a Blade movie. I want to see Blade do it. You know, I love Jessica Biel, especially early 2000s Jessica Biel. That's top tier shit right there. But she was on the screen so much I saw less stabby stabby with Blade. That's a problem. That says a lot about your love for Stabby Stabby then, because you love her. (laughs) Early 2000s her anyway. Stabby Stabby Blade. That's top tier shit. Yeah. There's so much of my childhood was wrapped up in watching the Blade movies in theaters and then on VHS. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Blade 2 was my introduction to Gilmero del Toro. Yeah, I think mine too. Blade is very influential in my life. Yeah, everybody was watching that. Underworld. I think you had a copy of it. That wasn't me. <laughs> no, <Nah>, I know. <laughs> we Were you throw, a fan of Underworld? I'm we curious. We won't throw this man under the bus, but there was somebody. You got to tell the story at least, though. We won't name the name. We will keep the, the identities. <laughs> man, fuck secret, that. It was but... Devin. He used to be on this podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, I bet it was Devin. <laughs> 
There was just I totally one time. I was going to say that. Me and Justin were at Devin's apartment. And just sitting in his DVD collection was, was a DVD of Underworld. And we were just like, oh, so yeah. So you like Underworld. And it just becomes this, oh, no, man, fuck that shit. That's not my movie. It was somebody else's. I borrowed it or they left it here. It just became all this stuff. And it's like, dude, just, just say you like Underworld. There are worse good, man? things to like than Kate Beckinsdale in skin tight leather. Exactly, man. We would have understood. It's Kate Beckinsale in leather. <laughs> I even understand that. I get it. Kate Beckinsale <laughs> is Kate Beckinsale. I get it. There is only one reason why I've seen all the Underworld movies. It weirdly enough has nothing to do with my completionist tendencies. <laughs> I wanted to be her, man. She was cool back then. She was a badass in that like underworld thing. Speaking of stabbing and, and whatnot, I'm wondering how long it'll be before somebody takes another stab at that. I mean, surely it's around the corner. Surely there are scripts that probably yeah. exist. <laughs> and I'm not going to lie. Probably. Kate Beckinsale could probably still do it. I was going to say yep. she could still she could still do it for sure. You know yeah. who I would see do it if it wasn't her? Honestly, first thing that came to mind was Emily Blunt. I could see her doing that. I could see that. Yeah. But I'd I'd much yeah. rather her just do another Edge of Tomorrow sequel. Fair. Yeah. If they did another Underworld, they'd probably do it with somebody like Ana de Armas. Or mm. what's her she name? She could do it too. Or what's her name from that Euphoria show? Not not uh, not Zendaya, the other one. Oh, Sydney Sweeney. Yeah, probably her. Oh, interesting. You know what? I wouldn't hate that. She's never, not a bad actress. I've never watched that show, but I've seen pictures of her. She could do it. And if she was doing slow motion stuff in skin tight leather, there are worse times I could have at the movies. <laughs> Yeah, she's got that body for sure. God, I, I can we just talk about this for the rest of the episode? <laughs> I know, right? Recasting like, this Underworld. Is a much better. <laughs> like, I know, recasting Underworld. I don't know. I feel like, man, it was such a good idea on paper with the werewolves and the vampires and all of that kind of stuff and star-crossed people and stuff. I don't know. I feel like maybe you, maybe if you do do it again, go younger. Like, I think, because how old was Kate Beckinsale and them were older people, right, in it? I mean, she was young, obviously, but what would, I mean, it was vampires and werewolves, but they were supposed to be, like, older people, like, who have done shit, right? I wonder if you go younger mm. and it's more like teens and Newer stuff blood. and that drama and all of that kind of stuff, and then you've got these... um elderly people trying to do shit, but you got these younger rebellious people over here. I don't know. I think go younger with honestly, I mean, what if they didn't they have in the last movie or one of the last ones, didn't uh wasn't there a young girl who was I mean, spoiler alert, the daughter? I mean, she could do it. I mean, she's old enough now where she could probably just play um what's her name? Celine, what is her name in the movie? Yes, yeah, something like that. Yeah, Celine. Yeah. And she was—I mean, she was well cast because I remember when I saw that movie and I saw that little girl, I was like, "Yeah, 
that looks like somebody who would play um, the spawn of uh, Kate Beckinsale. So she could do it too. She was pretty much 29 or 30 when she did the first Underworld. Okay. Yeah, that woman is 50 years old and it's insane because she looks exactly the same. I really don't want to move on and I've got nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) That's we got to do it. That's why I went on a tangent about Blade being stabby stabby for so long. It's not because I'm that passionate about Blade, even though I do truly love those movies and they did really inform so much of my childhood. I just don't want to end this segment because when this segment ends, the movie review begins and I don't want to do it. I I tried to help. I'm not, it's not like I go around looking for opportunities to talk about underworld, but you know, I'm pulling from, I'm pulling, I'm going deep in the playbook here, man. I tried to help respect. Yeah. (laughs) I never thought I would have such fond memories of underworld in comparison to anything. (laughs) (laughs) just thinking about it right now comparatively speaking underworld is a fucking goddamn cinema classic oh no all all this talking about it is kind of making me want to rewatch it and i don't know how i feel about that because that's what sucks is i'm probably gonna watch all like five of the fucking underworld movies i'm just I, I now I have the urge to rewatch it and like really analyze it and be like, what went wrong? Maybe I won't think it's that bad now. Maybe I've seen so much bad shit that deals with vampires and mediocre shit. Maybe I'll actually like it more. I don't know. Now I, it's going to take me down this rabbit hole. And now I don't know if I like this or not, but I that's forgot there were five fucking underworld movies. I thought see, there were three. There, I'm not going to lie. See, I, me too. I thought there were three. There's Underworld. Then the next one is Underworld Evolution. The one after that, which the third one was Underworld Rise of the Lycans, which was the prequel movie. That's right. That's why I've got the, yeah, that, and then, that's what it is. And then they did Underworld Awakening. And then just... Seven years ago, they did Underworld Blood Wars. Is Kate Beckinsale in all of them? In all of them, but Rise of the Lycans. Hmm. Hmm. Because Rise of the Lycans is the the movie that tells the story that they hint at in the first movie. That the Bill Nighy vampire had a daughter, and she fell in love with the werewolf, and she was pregnant, and then he had to kill his daughter. That's the story of Rise of the Lycans. And it does have Michael Sheen in it. And he is fantastic. He plays like Bartholomew or whatever, the original werewolf or the the main werewolf that dies in the first movie. Yeah. Lucian. He plays Lucian. He was married to Beckinsale. Good on him. He was. But yeah, there are five fucking Underworld movies. Wow. 
Which one is the one where she has a daughter? Technically, That's the last one I saw. Uh, isn't that, isn't she pregnant in the second one? I saw those a total of one time each, so I don't remember. <laughs> Man, I can't remember either. Damn. I don't did I, know. Did I see three of them or did I just see two? Damn, man, I can't remember. <laughs> did I just see the same one and thought it was three different yeah, movies? Yeah, and, and thought it was three movies. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Probably. Hard to say, Jason. It's hard to say. <laughs> Probably. Man, none of these synopses talk about her daughter. Wait. It might be Blood Wars. Blood Wars, it does mention she has a daughter. But is that the first one? Mm-hmm. I'm not seeing anything in Underworld Awakening talking about her daughter. Let me see. It is... Yeah, it's got to be Bloodborne. Because that plot synopsis. Underworld Awakening. Underworld Awakening. Is that where she has the daughter? Or? Yeah, because I'm, I'm looking at where the one girl who plays the, I think it was her daughter. Um, India Isley played her. And it's, yeah. Well, Underworld no, that Awakening. says Eve. That's not her daughter's name in, in, in Blood Wars. Oh, God, we are going so deep into underworld lore. <laughs> Maybe I'm just confusing it with another movie like like Jasta did. I don't know. Uh, but I just remember her being in it, and I thought that it was her daughter. Maybe because they look kind of similar. I don't know. Michael Ely was in that movie. I didn't remember that. Anyway, um, <laughs> on to less important things, which would be I this don't. movie. I don't even remember Blood Wars. I'm like looking at the box thought, and stuff. I thought it was one of those where Eve was. Oh, I re- I thought Eve was like they didn't know that it was her daughter, but it turned out to be her daughter. I could be completely mixing right, that, that up. That might be else. true. It might be awakening. Well, I don't know. I'll text me Monday. I'll have an answer by then. <laughs> Are you guys ready? Yeah, a Google search though says that Eve is her daughter, so <laughs> problem solved. <laughs> well, there we go. But yes, I'm ready. Cool. Here's our theme song. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I am joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight, we are going to talk about what we liked, 
didn't like, and everything in between with the movie The Exorcist, The Believer. Or Exorcist, I don't fucking know the name of this fucking movie. Just Believer. Whatever. Just sure. Believer. <laughs> Exorcist, Believer. There should be a the, though. But is it The Exorcist, Believer? Yeah. Or is it just Exorcist? Yeah, the, ex- yeah, the Exorcist, Believer. Let's go with that. Uh, we are going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between. And we will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both audio and video formats if you so require. And with all that, I'm going to start it off and say, fuck this movie. Justin, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about this movie? <laughs> wow. Just the shock on Jason's face. <laughs> Man. I like how I did that, off that all in one go and just didn't even stop at that point and just went. That was all in one breath, I think. Yeah. That's all you wanted to give it was one breath? That's Come a on, breath Sterling. too much. <laughs> Come on, man. You need to exercise some happiness talking about the exorcist. Come on, man. I'm trying to exercise this movie from my goddamn memory. So I never have to think about it or fucking talk about it again. I'm trying to get this over with. Okay. Because the sooner this episode's over, the sooner I get to fucking forget I watched this. Good point. I'm I'm pretty much on board with that because, yeah, it's not good. But it's like, it's not even really like it's bad in the sense of how, like, super terrible, like awful movies are bad. It's just really just one of the most bland play it safe. Like just no ambition. It's soulless, which is interesting because we're talking about, demons and you know possession and gods and religion and stuff like that but for all of those subject matters that are in this it just felt very soulless to me it it just felt like every scene was just yes it's a collection of scenes to get to point a to point b but that's all it felt like um it feels completely misguided, kind of like how we talked about with The Nun, how The Nun felt like a misguided movie where it's taking a collection of things that worked in earlier Conjuring movies and earlier scary movies and thinking that because it has the scenes, that means, oh, it's going to be good or, oh, we're, we're going to have tension just because we have a collection of scenes that worked in other movies. I really think that the same can be said for this. This has a collection of scenes and certain character dynamics and events that occur that are like things that happened in the first exorcist, but it just had none of the ambition, the cohesiveness It had none of the tension or like the foreboding kind of feeling that you have when you're watching The Exorcist and stuff like that. It just had 
none of those things. It just had none of it. And so, and then it has these little, ca- these cameos of uh, characters from the first exorcist. And I failed to understand what the point of any of that was. There are two, you know, th- that was the big thing going into this. You see all these previews and it's like, oh man, we don't have one child that's possessed. We have two, you know, everything's better when you have more, right? I didn't understand why we had two possessed children in this. I really did not because I think I can say this without it being a spoiler. It felt like we cared about the family associated with one possession. And then we could care less about the family of the other one. And the movie just so blatantly kind of does that. And it's just almost an insult to the intelligence, like how it does that. And it's like, really, you thought you could get away with this and this was somehow a good ending for this film? Like, it was just so misguided. And it tries to have this mess. And, and like, everything it tries to do, it just fails. The cameos fail. The message that it tries to have where about all these different things, I think there's kind of an anti-abortion type of thing going on in here. And there's all this stuff with like all these different religions and, and beliefs. And it tries to have this message about some cohesiveness with that. And none of that comes through either. None of it, none of it helps this narrative. So really, I think looking at it, I think it's worse than the nine, like not so much in execution. You could argue that this is better executed as far as just, you know, cinematography, acting, different things like that. You know, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. might have had the best performance in this. I mean, you know, you, you might be able to argue that there was one good performance in that. And, and you know what? I'll give the possessed children some credit. They aren't, they aren't the worst. The Lydia Jewett and Olivia O'Neill, who are the possessed children in this, Angela and Catherine, they aren't the worst in this. I, I guess the makeup is good. <laughs> that might be one good thing. The The makeup, they looked creepy enough. They had some creepy mannerisms, but more than developing these characters, this felt like it was more interested in jump scares and just stupid ones. Just, oh, they just overdid it with that shit. Like, just completely missing the point of what made like the first Exorcist film great. So yeah, I think all in all, it's worse than The Nun because it's more of a dis- a disappointment because this is more of an iconic film and like movie and, and, and as far as what it is to horror cinema and scary movies and possession movies and stuff like that. And I think that this did such a disservice to that, especially calling itself the continuation of that. And so in that way, it kind of makes it worse than the nun. It's kind of like it's a bigger sin for missing the point even more than something like the nun did. So yeah, I didn't enjoy this. 
I didn't have a great time. And I can't wait to get into spoilers because, man, there were some decisions made in this. And I don't know if I will ever understand some of the decisions made in this. But anyway, I'll quit rambling and, uh, you know, but yeah, nah, it's not good, dog. It's, this is not it when it comes to the exorcist. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I think it kind of set itself up for failure anyway, because it's such a tall order to kind of follow the exorcist movie in general, because that's such a classic horror movie. Right. So it's almost like if you're going to do a, I don't know if they're calling this a sequel or just a reboot or just in the same universe. I'm not really sure what they're considering this. It's a sequel. I guess. Okay, fine. Sequel. If you're going to do that, um, you really, really got to have, you got to have it tight. You got to have it really like, you need to follow all the same elements that make the, the first one so iconic and it failed to do that here. And I will say I definitely was disappointed because I mean, I even for me, at least I looked at that trailer and I was like, that looks good. It looks like it's going to be good. Like I, I want to see what they do with it. And it does kind of fall mostly in the category of all of the creepy parts happening in the trailer, which has been, you know, par for the course lately. But it, I mean, it, it's also one of those where you're right, Justin, about it's, it's more disappointing because of what it's trying to follow. Um, so yeah, I do get that perspective of it. Like it's, it's just, you have a bigger disappointment because you expected more from this than you do from, a lot of other horror movies, right? Um, you definitely expect it to be more, <laughs> a, a better, creepier film than The Nun 2, um, which wouldn't, it's not hard to do that. But I mean, I will say admittedly for me, I actually, I will say I actually do like this movie a little more than The Nun 2 because I care more about the storyline in this one than I did about in The Nun 2. And I think that's why, I think I would say this is better in my opinion than the nun two. I'm not saying it's an excellent movie. I'm not saying that it was solid and it was everything I wanted it to be, but I do think it's better than the nun two, which again, I mean, that's really, really not a hard task, (laughs) but I do understand why people would say it's worse because of just that expectation that it has being so much higher than anything that the nun two would have ever done. And I guess that that's a fair point. But again, the storyline and the characters in this, I actually do care more about than I cared about any of the characters in The Nun 2. So that's the only reason I would say I liked this movie more. I do think that it um, it falls in that category of monotone for most of the time. There's not a whole lot of tension buildup, kind of like a lot of the horror movies we've talked about lately. It's very kind of one note across the board. I think that they did the first half of this movie better than the second half um, when it's kind of leading up to understanding what's happening in this movie to these girls. I feel like they did that part of the movie better um, because that was more of like a mystery aspect to the movie, which meant you're, you're like, okay, so what's going to happen? 
But then when we get to what does happen, it's very much a letdown in that way. So I I think that they did the first half better because I was still invested to see, okay, what's about to go down. There were some decisions made. <laughs> there were some choices in this film that definitely I would have preferred done in a very different way. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. So I think the <laughs> there are characters here that they want you to care about that actually mean zero in this movie. Um, <laughs> they, they just have no, no purpose, no point, and actually would have, the movie actually probably would have been better without them in it at all, <laughs> if I'm being honest about it, which is really, really sad to say. But that's how I felt, considering the story that they wrote for this. The only thing I will say, I mean... I would slightly say I somewhat disagree with you on Justin is I did actually like most of the performances here, not because they were Oscar winning, whatever, but I think everybody served the role of the type of character they were supposed to be really well here. Not really well, well, well enough here. (laughs) So I agree. I think Leslie Odom Jr. is the best thing about this movie. Um, I love me some Leslie Odom Jr., so that's kind of going to be a bias of mine anyway. But I think that his performance felt like the most realistic person in this movie as a whole. And I I like sort of the subtleties that he did bring to certain situations of what was going on in the movie. Um, I think the girls, yeah, they were, I think they were good at being possessed. I think that they did a good job as far as yeah, their physicality and things like that. Um, they really, I think that they did a good job with that. But again, when you're comparing it to uh, Linda Blair, it's really, it's it's hard not to either because, I mean, that's the original. This is the sequel. And what she did in The Exorcist was unreal especially at the time like she was phenomenal in that role so yeah I think in comparison it just kind of felt like they they weren't doing much of anything just because of what you're expecting they're going to be doing in this movie compared with what they did in the first movie so it does fall unfortunately under that shadow of the first exorcist of you can't not think about it and you can't not compare because, I mean, you're sort of setting yourself up for that, I think. <laughs> There's some movies where I feel like we compare things that it's just kind of naturally something that we would compare, even if it's not meant to be that way. But this one, I mean, this is a sequel to the one of the most iconic horror films ever made. So you, you've got to live up to that expectation. And they really didn't do that here. So I, I think it definitely falls short. Um I was disappointed. I really wanted this to be better than it was. I expected that it would be based on the trailer, but the trailer was scarier than the movie itself, if I'm being honest. So yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. Recommendations and scores? Yes. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Um, no, I don't really have a reason to recommend this movie. 
like I said, it's it's a letdown. It it's almost in a sense false advertising because you think it's going to be an actually scary film with a lot of suspense and in, intense moments and tension. It doesn't really have any of that. Um, so unfortunately, I don't really have a reason to say that you should watch this movie. So no, I don't recommend it. Um, again, I will stand on the on the the opinion that I do think it's better than the Nun Two. <laughs> But again, that's also not really saying much anyway. I gave that movie a three. So, um, <laughs> but I mean, I'll give this movie at least I didn't mind the performances. That was that that was the most interesting part to me was the performances for the most part. And again, I was curious for like at least the first half of this movie on what was going to play out and how the how certain things were going to be revealed. So I'll give it, gosh, I'm afraid to say even too, because Sterling's going to hate whatever it is. Um, I think I'm going to give it a, I'll give it a, mm, mm, mm. I'll give it, oh, what am I going to give this? I think I'm going to give it 28 uh, <laughs> for those that didn't see, I just almost killed Sterling. Apparently, um, <laughs> I'm going to give it a 28 uh, disruptions in church from possessed children out of a hundred. Good goddamn! That's such a high score, Justin. What about you? Man, well. Yeah, you can't. I I just don't know who I would recommend this to because I think if you're a fan of the first Exorcist movie, you're probably not going to like this. Like, and that's the exact audience that this movie is looking for. And I can't even say with any kind of confidence that somebody who loved that film, I think that this film would just make you mad. And like the sad part is, is that we've seen this formula work before when, when they brought back that they did the same thing with the Halloween uh, reboot that they did the, the first one. Now, of course we know what, what wound up happening <laughs> to the Halloween uh, re reboot, but this sort of reminds me of that first Halloween movie. You know, it, it was, it, you know, it's all these years later, were and it was basically a sequel to the iconic first movie, and that that first Halloween reboot movie is an example of how to do it right. Like you develop these the 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 characters, even though it's years later, you update it. You develop the characters you that that we're familiar with. You give them interesting stories and stuff like that. But at the same time. You don't forget about those techniques and those things that made the original a classic in the first place. And you sprinkle some of that in and sure, you're not going to be as good as the classic, but at least it was a good reminder of what we loved about the first Halloween movie, what made it a classic. That is exactly what this movie should have been. That's what it needed to do. But it just felt like every decision in this was 
misguided, like they didn't really understand what made the first movie a classic. That it was it's like if somebody watched that first movie and completely just did not understand why they liked it so much and just thought, oh, because it has these things, we'll put these things in here. And nah, man, it ain't it. So I just don't know who would watch this and be happy with it unless you were somebody who had no idea of maybe The Exorcist or anything like that. Maybe you might go in and think that this is all right, but I couldn't see you loving this either. So, yeah, this is one you can just wait for or not see or, you know, maybe if you're stuck at somebody's house and they're playing it or something, you know, just you, just watch it until you can find an excuse to leave. You know, it's just really <laughs> one of those. Like, I just don't know why anybody, why I would tell anybody to endure this because that's what it is. You're enduring punishment and pain. That's what this <laughs> is. If you are a fan. Of it's like ex- you're just going through the, this movie's just going through the motions. It's essentially yeah. what it feels like. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so disappointing. Quality-wise, yes, Heather, you were correct. Uh, you know, I'll, I won't be a butt about that. Quality-wise, yes, it is better than the nun. Quality-wise, as far as just mechanics, acting, you know, all of that shit. The mechanics of a film, yes, it is better than the nun. But it is more, but it falls harder than the nun. This is like watching two gymnasts. And one gymnast, it, it, it looks better, has a better routine, does the, the, you know, does the routine better than this other one, has better flips and tricks and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, she falls way harder at the end than the gymnast that was inferior. And therefore, she scores less points than the one who... Her routine wasn't as good, but I don't think it fell as hard. You weren't expecting it to be better. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think that analogy is good. I hope it's good. I feel like it's good. But yeah, yeah, like that's what I, that's so that's how I feel about this and why I sort of said what I said about it being worse than the nun. I think it's important to, put that in proper context, but I do get what you're saying. So with that being said, we'll go with, we'll go with, I guess I'll give it a higher score than what I gave the nun. We'll go with, we'll go with 12 Ellen Burstein giving new meaning to cross-eyed out of a hundred. I liked that one. I don't think this movie's going through the motions. I think this movie thought about going through the motions and then didn't even bother to do that. Uh, Justin compared this to doing a gymnastics routine. I think that this is the film version of instead of doing a gymnastics routine, you just showed the video of somebody else going through a gymnastics routine and said, that's good enough, right? (laughs) damn and that routine you picked is still somebody falling on their face 
this movie to me was devoid of almost everything you could ever need to make a movie. It was devoid of vision. It was devoid of a story. It was devoid of any ambition. It was devoid of creativity. It was devoid of enjoyment. It was void of scares. It was void of just everything. This movie is lifeless. Like it's not even that it, it, it doesn't even try at any point. Not only do the trailer show you everything in the movie, the trailer trailer also outright lies to you because the trailer actually puts the events of the movie in a more cohesive and entertaining series of scenes than the movie itself does. This movie is just nothing but one gigantic lie. You would think that you have two possessed little girls. You would get twice the possessed bullshit. Nope. You get less than half of what they had in the first exorcist. They took two girls and gave you less possessive, like possession shit. Say what you will about the nun too. There's infinitely more possession bullshit in that movie than there is in this. It's a nothing movie. Justin talked, uh, I believe it was you, Justin, you talked about how there's infinitely more emphasis put on one of the two little girls than the other one, which also kind of gives away the end of the movie. Like, yeah, it's, and it ruins everything. Like you end up only kind of caring about one of the little girls, but at the same time, this movie doesn't even try hard enough to really get you to care about her. This movie does kind of start off early. Like it, it, it kind of gets into the whole, Oh, girls are lost. Oh, possession shit kind of early in the film, but you're not really doing any possession shit until the last 35 minutes of the movie. So there is like, an hour and 20 minutes in, in the middle from the beginning of this movie, like after the first 15 minutes to the last 35 minutes of this movie, absolutely nothing happens. Just nothing. It is just going. There's just what would have been back in the day film just going. Nothing's actually happening. You could have just put a white screen where it just goes to a white screen and you would have probably been more entertained by the end of it because your own imagination in some form of psychosis would have put together a better movie in your own imagination than what they actually showed you during that time. And the sheer fact that they had the audacity to claim that there's any sort of relevance or connection or just anything with the exorcist franchise is downright offensive. This movie has two characters that come from the first movie. You know, it's got Reagan and Reagan's mom. They show up in this movie and they're like, Oh, look, look guys, it's the exorcist people. Aren't you glad you see the exorcist people in this exorcist movie? No, I don't you make me kind of subsequently kind of get mad at the first exorcist movie that they are in this movie. So now I don't know if I'm actually rooting for Reagan to get unpossessed when I watch the exorcist, because now in my mind, if Pazuzu fucking kills her, I don't have this movie. 
or when Linda Blair was back in the exorcist Two, the heretic, why couldn't she have died in that movie? This movie makes me want the demons to win. And any movie before this, because then that would mean that this movie wouldn't exist. Thank you, exorcist believer. You make me want children to die in other movies. <laughs> I hope you're proud of yourself. No, I don't fucking recommend it to anyone. Not even my worst enemy. If my worst enemy was like, hey, Sterling, I just wanted to tell you because I know you probably didn't like this movie. I'm going to go watch this movie and enjoy it because I want to do this in spite of you. I would just grab them by the face and stare directly into their eyes and go, no. Not even your torment is worth watching this movie. We used to play a game back in the day about buying each other the worst movies we could ever buy each other and make them watch it just so we could enjoy the torment of our friends having to watch a shitty movie. This movie would be banned from that game because it's unfair to be possibly bought for somebody <laughs> and you would have to make them watch it. What I just heard is that you wouldn't even recommend this movie to Ronald Reagan. I wouldn't. Ronald wow. Reagan is too good for this movie. <laughs> wow. I say all that. Wow. Ronald oh, Reagan goodness. is probably the demon that possessed these little girls. And maybe that's why <laughs> I fucking hate it so much. But still. Yeah, you're right. Oh, goodness. That is. Ronald's that in is, one of the girls wow. and Nancy's in the other one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. I wouldn't even want the CEO of Burger King to watch this. you had to ask me if I'd want to get just slapped in the face with a whopper. Then sit through the opening credits of this film. Slap me in the face with a whopper every single fucking time. Damn. Even with ketchup. If you know me, I don't like ketchup. Man, you brought in Burger King. This movie did something to you. This you never, you never bring in BK. Touching a nerve, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, what it, what has this movie done to you? The fact that you two right now are sitting—if we average both of your scores—it's at a fucking twenty. A fucking twenty. My official cine score for this movie. Um, let's go with a negative six thousand nine hundred and seventy-two. Out of <laughs> uh, that brings our official cine score to a negative two thousand three hundred and eleven. Which, oddly enough, or ironically enough. It's technically a negative 2,310.666 repeating. Okay. Got a little bit of the, got a little bit of the demon in there. But we do proper rounding here. It gets that 11. Like I said, official Cinescore negative 2,310 or 11. Sorry. 
That feels proper. Don't worry, guys. I fixed it. <laughs> Spoilers? Yes. Sure. Spoilers. You know what scene really pissed me off in this movie? They do that whole thing of that little girl interrupting the church service by yelling to the body and the blood, the body and the blood all over. And he just you know, keeps yelling it over and over and over again and all this other stuff. And everybody's staring at her and they're just like, oh my God, this rambunctious little white girl, something's wrong with her. She's all dirty. She's covered in sacramental wine. Why the fuck did they have her just covered in wine? How the fuck do you have a movie like this? And you go, you know what's scary? Little girls covered in slightly alcoholic grape juice. Terrifying. You know why? Those stains never come out of a white dress. Think about the horror her mother's going to have to go through when she gets out the gain to try to wash out these stains when she pre-soaks it in some OxyClean. Just the scariest thing you could have in this oh spookiest of months. She's covered in fucking grape juice. What the fuck is this movie? Like at that point, I knew just without a shadow of a doubt. Now, I was just bored up until this point. Just bored. Nothing was going on. It was just a bunch of boring ass bullshit. When it got to this scene, I was like, oh, it's never going to get any better. Why would you not have her covered in fucking blood? Have her like take a little small crucifix and just like stab herself in the shoulder numerous times. And she's like walking down screaming that with the crucifix stuck in her shoulder and blood all over her. Does that not sound like more scary possession shit? Yeah. Then, then covered in fucking welches? And I know that sounds like a small little thing. That scene made me so fucking angry, though. And then why at the end of this movie... When Linda Blair's mom, which her name is Reagan, is that another tie to Ronald? Are they trying to tell me that Ronald really is the devil? I did not even make that connection. That's amazing. That's hilarious. Yep. The daughter's name is Reagan. (laughs) It's hilarious. But like, she's like, church isn't really about church. Church is just about people being together. And somehow that means we need to have some weird intersectionality fucking exorcism of like a Baptist priest. I don't even know what to call that woman. Yeah, they never say it. That I to me would be a form of hoodoo. Because there is some Maybe. voodoo elements to it and and voodoo itself is not inherently separated from Christianity. There is a lot of Christianic elements in that stuff. So maybe a form of hoodoo mixed with 
a nurse that's an acting Catholic priest for the ceremony. And that's supposed to take on this demon. And nothing, absolutely nothing of interest happens at all during that exorcism. Nothing. Even when that priest comes in, he's like, no, no, guys, I'm going to come in and save the day because I'm super priest and we're going to do this. And his neck just snaps. And all I was thinking is, God, I wish that was me. But like, but, but, but why they make such a big deal of like with, with, with the other movies, at least with, when you look at the prequels, both prequels, because technically there are two prequels to the exorcist franchise. There's exorcist, the beginning, and there's domain. Fascinating story behind those. So originally the director filmed domain, the studio watched it and they hated it. They fucking hated it. So they essentially reshot the whole movie. And that became the exorcist, the beginning and they released it and that movie flopped. So then they went, fuck it. Might as well just release the other one too. And then that's why they released domain or dominion. I'm sorry, not domain dominion. They released dominion, which was the original prequel that they reshot. Weirdly enough, I do like dominion more. And this movie also makes Exorcist the Beginning look like a fucking cinema classic also. Because it had the audacity to include characters and actually tell a story with them. They used Pazuzu, which if you don't know is the demon from The Exorcist. The demon is Pazuzu. In this one, it's, I don't know, Billy Bob. Because it doesn't matter. It's not Pazuzu. You know, it's Steve from Hell's Accounting. I, it, it, Don't they actually, I, at least the the mom of the one girl just thinks it's actually just the devil. Just the devil in general. That's lazy. Oh, it's the devil. Like You're not wrong, why- but that's the only time we even get a reference to like what this could be. You know what I mean? Yeah, but see, that's a weird inherent flaw in, in, in most I don't mean this in necessarily an insulting way, but in a lot of Southern Baptist types of churches, they always say like possessed by the devil. I have issues with that just for the sheer fact that Christian lore would dictate that the devil is not all powerful and also not all knowing. Therefore, the devil cannot be all encompassing in any way, shape or form. Therefore, if the devil's possessing somebody, there's no one doing the devil's job. You know, like it would be very weird to do that. It's like, you know, expecting the president to like, I don't know, go sell you a shirt at Ross. Like, it's just weird. Like, I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that. If you have a job and you're a cashier at Ross, that's awesome. You have a job. You're, I mean, that, 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 that's great. But also, you, you don't necessarily need the president doing that. You have other people to do that. You don't have the president go do that. You know, that seems weird. So like, why would the devil go, huh, I'm really bored today. Let's go spend a week inside two little girls. 
Like there's not devil shit that he needs to do. If you listen to the same people talk about this country, every single person that dies is going to hell anyway. The devil would be busy. His place is popping. We're just all going there. He's got so much torment and and damned and, and hellfire and all that shit to do. You don't have time to spend a week in Cindy and, and, and Jennifer. I don't know. What were the fucking little girl's names? I don't even remember, to be honest. Angela and Catherine. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cindy and Jennifer. Um, yeah, pretty much. And also, they just, they didn't do anything. Like, there was only one time they did that whole, like, oh, you're, like, what was it? Uh, When they did, like, the demonic voice and they were like, oh, we know what you did, Sister Mary, blah, blah, blah. You know, and all that shit, like, that, that, that evil, like, get in your head psychology type of shit. They only really did that once. They didn't do that any other time. I mean, I guess technically twice with Leslie Odom Jr.'s character about you didn't want me, but yeah, not a lot either way. Yeah. Like, but they didn't even crawl on a ceiling. Nothing. They, they, they broke a glass. Like they, she slammed her head on a glass on the the window. She broke it. Kind of. Scary. Just dumb. Also, like, was anybody else surprised whenever they finally like found her? And she's like, what? We were just out there for the afternoon. And when they were like, you were gone for three days. Was anybody else surprised that it was only three days? I thought like six months had passed. <laughs> like just be just how they were doing shit. I thought six months had passed because like Leslie Odom Jr. At one point was just walking in the door eating KFC or some shit. Like he was eating something in a box, like just walking in the door and then finds his neighbor, you know? Oh yeah. I forgot that the neighbor, the Pentecostal was also there at the exorcism, but like was just walking in and they were doing that shit. Like, but he was just walking in eating dinner. Like, if you're still in day three of your child missing, and you're like, man, let me stop at Raising Cane's real quick and get me a Kinetic five-piece or whatever the fuck those things are called, you know, real (laughs) quick so I can go home and get my good 10 hours of sleep before I start looking for my daughter again. Like, it just felt off. I mean... My cat got out and I wasn't fucking eating like that. Like I had to take my cat to the doctor to have surgery because she fucking ate a fucking little piece of elastic cord. I didn't eat the whole day she was in fucking surgery and shit. He was just strolling in the house. (laughs) I, I just, I don't know. Jackson like, might have been like that with that, those naked tenders though. <laughs> yeah, I don't but know. Yeah. I might have been. Yeah, I might have, I might have been on them. 
<laughs> but like, point taken. You would have kidding. to eat the naked have tenders you, just to like give mom. yourself something. <laughs> just something else to focus on. This is my only happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen my daughter? I'm so worried about her. Mm. <laughs> okay. Let's go. Now, Justin, if hold your on, daughter me, was hold missing. On, let's go look. If your daughter was missing, <laughs> would you get breaded tenders at that point? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I think I deserve yeah, it at yeah. that point. Definitely, yeah. yeah. They'd have to be breaded. Yeah. We get we getting that caniac stack. You know what I'm saying? Get, getting those sympathy carbs. <laughs> yeah, buddy. We getting that caniac stack. Might even get a Dr. Pepper, the sugar one. Not even the diet, no Coke Zero. I might go with the DP on that with one. The Just take in all the sugar. <laughs> what depression Average. looks like for Jason, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Let's get that sugar in, man. She's missing. Give me a second. I just got to let me finish this, Dr. Pepper. Where this is depression for Jason, 100%. Yeah. I just don't know what the fuck this movie was actually doing. Like, it wasn't trying to scare you. And then it randomly, just at the end of the movie, goes, oh, yeah, this is what it's like inside her head. A flooded hallway and a demon Yeah, that voice. was weird. Okay. I guess that's a thing. Didn't it have, like, a slight blue tint to it, too? Like, it was just very weird. It made no sense. And then it's all... You heard dad's voice, I choose you. And then the demon's like, I choose you. Wasn't that the most obvious fucking thing you were ever going to see too? Like, didn't the whole movie tell you that she was going to die? Yeah. Like the whole movie, it it didn't even try to hide it. It didn't even make it seem difficult or nothing. And also I know that's the whole point of this is that it's the demon trick and all these things. It's like playing on the desperation of the parents. But also, was it not obvious that whichever parents said their kid's name, that kid was going to die? Like, like, I get that that's the whole point of it and all this other shit, but like, it just felt so dumb. Like, be, and I think part of it is because the movie was trying to say that that was an urgent scene, that like there was peril and there was adversity going on and there's, you know, something needs to happen at that moment. But the movie was so bad at pacing and so bad at actually showing these things that when you're watching it, that emotion doesn't actually ever come across. Like the movie's going, oh no, it's urgent. Oh no, the possession, it's urgent. No. And you're watching it going, I guess, if you say so. You're not showing me this. And so for the fact that the dad to break at that moment, like felt weird. Cause like as an audience member without those emotional points or that sense of urgency coming across the screen in any sort of effective or even ineffective way. Cause it just wasn't happening. It wasn't even ineffectively happening. It just wasn't even happening. That for that to be what makes him break at that point just felt forced and just felt like it happened because the script said it did. Well, yeah, and I, I didn't like the dad character really the whole way around because even to me, he was just overreacting 
kind of to everything, you know, let me, or maybe it was overacting. Like when he, like when they're, when, when, when he's first having that conversation with Leslie Odom and he's like, it kicks the trash can and all of that stuff. I don't know. I just kind of felt like that fool was just doing a bit much. He was a little extra, you know what I'm saying? But not in a good way. He was just extra I, all the time. I wish he was <laughs> overacting, Justin. I wish he was. Because that would have been something at least happening. <laughs> you know, I like that see God is punishing us. You know, I'm like, man, dude, I just didn't like him, dude. I got a job with him. I also just don't like that. I mean, there's always that trope of when somebody goes missing with somebody else, it's like, obviously this is your daughter's fault or your kid's fault. Like when it's like, okay, like you actually know nothing about the other person. Like why would that be your first assumption when it's like, maybe there's just a creepy person around kidnapping little girls. Like your first assumption is I don't even know who you are. So it could be your daughter's fault. Like it's just the weird trope that there is and things like that. Yeah. I feel like they were trying to imply some sort of like racial issue with that. Like it's like a Southern family type of scenario. And like that the white family was trying to imply that because, you know, him and his daughter are black, it's obviously their fault. But I also think that the movie was so inept that that doesn't even come across properly. Yeah, because I honestly didn't catch that, but I can see what you mean by that now that I think about it. Like, because it's that stereotype of, oh, well, your kid's the bad influence, that type of thing. Like, and I get what you're saying, Heather, because it also could be that. I felt like they were trying to do one, and they just didn't even succeed at that either. Like, it also could be a class thing. You know, her family seemed fairly well off. You know, it could be that it's your daughter because you're poor or you don't have as much money than me. It could have been any of those things that they were trying to play off of and just ineffectively doing so the whole time. Or there's only one parent and we have two. You know, there's a mom and a dad here and you only have one. Well, and they tried to be slick with it because it was they instead of because I think they felt like if we have the white parents accuse him, it would look racial. So they would slick. And what they did was they switched it. And they had Leslie Odom accuse their daughter of, you know, he was like, well, you know, she's a free spirit and everything. So, I mean, some of us don't know what our daughters are doing. Or, you know, he sort of implied that, because she's a free spirit and all of this stuff, like maybe it was the, maybe their daughter was a bad influence, but see, and this is why like the, the writing is just not good. But later on, they were like, no, the, 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 I don't want to just keep calling her the white girl, Catherine. (laughs) I feel like somebody might be like, (laughs) is he like, like, you know, putting a target at her, but like Catherine later on, they're like, no, Catherine was real religious and attended church and 
was a devout believer. You know, they said all that stuff like Catherine was a believer and all of this kind of stuff. So which is it? You know, is she the 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 free spirit daughter that's into all this weird shit? Or is she the devout, you know, yeah, God fearing Christian going church going daughter? Because later on they were acting like she was the latter, you know. But I mean, it also goes back to your point you made earlier, Justin, of we really only get like more insight into uh, Angela. Like she's the one that we're focused on and she's the one we know backstory on. We exactly. don't really know much about Catherine. And so it's like you you can't you could tell us all you want that this is who she is and what she is. But like you we don't know because they didn't really we don't get ever her backstory. Find out. Yeah. Yeah. Very good point. Yeah. We don't ever really find out because the movie, like we said, wasn't concerned about that character. And it needed to be because you needed to have answer questions like this. We needed to know about her too. So if you're going to kill her at the end of the movie, we care that that she died. Like you would think that that would just be an obvious thing, but it was so just abundantly clear that we only really cared about Angela, you know, we only cared about the father and his, and that story. And really still, I say that, but I kind of felt like the Leslie Odom character. Yes. I I do think that his acting was probably the best, but the writing of the character was not the best. I don't know how he changed from the beginning to the end. Like, I understand that he was sort of a non-believer and was skeptical and stuff like that. And then at the end, he's like, oh, we got to do this. But you didn't feel that there was really an earned transition or anything like that. He he felt like I, I understand him being this desperate father just looking for answers and just trying to find them. But don't then pretend like at the end there was this arc about him becoming a believer or having the belief or anything like there was one of the possessed kids. I think his daughter was even like, at one point was like, you don't believe (laughs) and started laughing at him. And I never really felt that there was this transition period or like, where like he believed now or you didn't show him praying or nothing at the end or you didn't have him going, you know, at the mother's grave being like, you know, you you were right. I should have listened to you more. Nothing. I didn't get the sense that that character, that that was really that character's arc, you know. And for half of the exorcism, he was just standing there watching everybody else do the shit. That's a good so point. I don't know. Yeah. I didn't buy that transition with him either. So even though that was the story that we cared most about, I just said all that to say, we really didn't handle that story the best. And that's the story we were focused on, you know? That's a really good point. Cause yeah, like I agree. I think that he was like probably the most intriguing thing about this movie, but yeah, they didn't write his character well, you know, because it's like, I did appreciate that they had those moments of even during the exorcism where he's just kind of like stoically there, not doing anything. Cause I feel like for what we got of the rest of his character, that made sense because 
He's like, well, obviously I don't believe anymore. I don't know what to think. I'm confused. I'm trying to figure this out. It's kind of what they played it as. But at the same time, why do we write it that way? Why didn't we write it like he's more urgent about it? And he's like so desperate and angry, even like angry at God for this being a thing. Like that would have been a more compelling story of like, I'm angry at God and I don't even believe in God. But then suddenly it's like, you know, something snaps him out of it or talking to his wife or going to her grave snaps him out of it or something like that would have been a lot more compelling writing for his character. I agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe that could have been the role. And they tried to sort of make that the role of, of Ellen, you know, her coming back in this because they're supposed to be having these conversations and, you know, she's saying all of these things about that, you know, people together and all of this stuff. And you get the sense that that was supposed to be changing him or maybe making him think differently about things or having a new perspective. And I just didn't feel that we executed well enough to really make that so, to just really put the the the, the punctuation on that. And to speak more about her character, like that whole look. Okay, so the, she, she was that whole thing made me laugh, man. Uh, whenever they did, whatever. What is her actual name in this? Chris McNeil. Like she. Okay, so she cut. So we find out that she, you know, her daughter. It doesn't speak to her anymore and everything. And she's like, yeah, but you know, but I've, I've written this book and my daughter was mad at me. So, you know, my daughter kind of, um, you know, is estranged from me and everything. And I've, you know, I've wrote this book and I've done all this study it on exorcisms and stuff like that, you know, never became an exorcist, never anything like that, but just wrote this book about her experiences and stuff. And we all know, and she even said it from the first movie she wasn't in there for any of that. She wasn't part of the exorcisms or anything like that. She was a bystander while these priests were trying to do this. What, for lack of a better term, possesses this woman to go into this room with these possessed kids, with this possessed kid alone, with nobody, and just be like, hey, Quit doing yeah. this shit. Knowing what you know, why would you, why would you do it? Yeah. Why did she do it? And when she got cross-eyed, when she took the, the Holy Cross to the eyes and got her eyes gouged, I just, like, it's supposed to be this horrible scene. And I think the idea was supposed to be, oh, no, this character we care about for the first movie. And, Man, I was sitting there just laughing. I was just laughing to myself so hard because that to me felt like the stupidest decision. And then when it's doing all the dramatic cuts of them, you know, putting the the, the splint and wrapping her eyes and it's all, doo, 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 doo. I, I just, all I could do was laugh and go, why did this woman do this? Like, why did she do this but then it's also the fact that they follow it up with her being in the hospital completely blind and she's just like but you know what the important thing is right now yeah. <laughs> where you're like woman you just got almost completely murdered 
and it would bring up so much trauma. It would bring up so many things and like just the forced like dialogue that they gave her that was supposed to be <laughs> inspirational that you're like, yeah. this does not fit for the scene that's happening right now. And I just, it took me completely out of the movie in that way, you know? Yeah. She was doing that Aunt May. There's a hero in all of us, you know, and like great power, <laughs> great responsibility. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that was like, an Aunt May was, moment. Yeah. She was just like doing the Aunt May and like, blood in this hospital because you walked up in there like I did not understand you it's wrote like a the, book so now you gotta go yeah. up in there with the uh, why yeah. everything why that you did know she and you threw this? it away for a five minute cameo in this movie and like and it's like what Sterling said earlier with her whole like that whole speech was not even like it wasn't even really helpful for the situation they were in Cause she was really just talking about like, this is why people need church and they need to be together and all these things that she was saying. And it's like, okay, point taken. But like, what does it have to do with what's happening right now? And the fact that there are two possessed girls, you've been through this how many times and you're blind now. And like, what does it have to do with anything going on right now? It was so out of place in the movie. I mean, those priests died saving your daughter. They died. Those priests died saving your daughter. And I just, why? I cannot believe that they they wrote this character this way. Why would you go into that room by yourself? And one of them (laughs) had already gone up against that demon personally. Yep. Yes. That Father Marin had gone up against Pazuzu already before in Africa. And, you know, he died saving your daughter. And you just went, but I wrote exorcisms for dummies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah, yeah, totally. She, she didn't even walk in with holy water or anything. Like No you preparation. Don't, you don't walk in like... Fucking Dennis Miller from Bordello of Blood with a super soaker full of fucking holy water? Are you even trying? Yeah, like this is the equivalent of somebody going, I wrote a book about Mike Tyson. Now I'm going to go fight Mike Tyson. (laughs) I mean, this is just like. Totally. It's like I wrote a book about pugilism. I wrote a book about famous boxers or something. And now I am going to fight Evander Holyfield. Like, I just don't understand why you would do this. Why did they have her do this? It was the dumbest decision. And then her eyes are gone. And all I could think, anytime it showed her, I was just like, you don't have any eyes because she was so stupid. <laughs> right. Cause also like, and that's, and that's what really upset me is because you're going to bring this poor woman back and do her dirty like that. When she's like the ultimate, like survival mode mom of this type of situation. And you're going to take her out like that. Like what was the point in her even being in this movie? Exactly. If she couldn't help, if she couldn't be there, and if you had any liberties with the story or anything like that, 
I mean, hell, I almost would have accepted that if she became a, 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 an exorcist person herself or she had married into the church or something and her husband, new husband was done has done them before or something like unfortunately can't marry into the catholic church like that because they're oh you can't oh damn never mind yeah uh yeah i forgot about that Um, no you're right priests can't marry no you're my bad but like you said do something kind of like i don't know what they portray the warrens as in so many of their movies and you know it's bad if i'm saying yeah you can emulate the warrens in a movie where they would do exorcism shit and they weren't ordained. Okay. So maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe that's yeah. what she is. Maybe you she become, has done them. Maybe she does like have a, experience. Like a possession consultant for the Catholic That's what church. I was about to say. Like a consult, a consultation type of person of like, this is what I've experienced. Like she didn't even prep anybody for like, guys, this is what I've experienced from my time with this situation. So let me just at least prep you all or at least, yeah, be there during the exorcism would have been a better fit for, like, her character coming back. You know what I mean? Like, if they should have done yeah, something else with her character if you're bringing her back. If you're going to do that, have her, if like, say, you can even still have her get her eyes stabbed out. But, like, have that happen during the exorcism. Have them, have your 95 exorcists in there, just like they did. And during it, one of the kids breaks free and stabs her eyes. Yep. That would have been way better. Yeah. yeah. You know, do it that way. Don't, you know, have her just get taken out of the movie two thirds of the way in and did nothing but other than say, it's okay if you have other people there. That's cool. It's almost like they wrote the movie to be like, okay, we're doing a sequel and we're done writing it. But you know what? We really want to get people to watch it. So let's find a way to write in this lady. Well, <laughs> like she was an afterthought, you know? To me, it's like doing a sequel, but you never saw any of their other movies and you just looked at the IMDb and went, <laughs> yeah. Ah, the IMDb said that Reagan was the one that was possessed. So let's see if Linda Blair, because she's apparently the one that played Reagan, see if she wants to do a whole movie. She doesn't want to. What about the woman that played her mom then? Does she want to do a movie? Yeah. Yeah. She said she's got two days to film. Cool. Let's have her in the movie for 7.8 seconds. Oh, Linda Blair said she's got 10 extra minutes to spare. Let's toss her in at the end. Right. And also like something that I saw somebody talking about when they were reviewing this movie is how anticlimactic the reveal of Ellen Burstein's character was where you're just like, if you're going to bring her back, Let's give her an introduction. It was just like opening her door to her house. Like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, that was all she got. Like, what is that? Yeah. Yeah. Very underwhelming. And then they just had her eyes get stabbed 10 minutes later. Yeah. And off of just, (laughs) I, I would never understand why this woman would do this, knowing everything that she knows. It was just so, and, and but, but to not to beat a dead horse, but to get off that point and back on something I think Sterling said earlier, why was there so less like possession stuff in this when we had two people? I couldn't figure that out either. Like, and 
we just so quickly jumped to the conclusion that, oh, they were possessed. Like, going back and watching the first Exorcist, I love how the mom tried all these different things. A psychiatrist came over. You know, they were scanning the kid's brain and scanning her daughter's Reagan's brain and trying to see if she had some sort of tumor or if there was some sort of abnormality in her brain to see if, okay, maybe this is why she's doing all of this. Or, you know, people talking about she's delusional, this and that. And then even when she tried to get the help of a priest, the priest was skeptical and talking about, well, we've got to eliminate, you know, we've got to do all these psychological things and stuff like that. We didn't do none of that fun shit either of the figuring out like what this is. They they used that other family about the daughter we didn't care about that we wanted to kill at the end of the movie. They just made them believers already so that we could just quickly arrive to the conclusion, oh, yeah, it's it's possession. And so we didn't have to do any of that stuff either, you know, like. I, I just almost wish it was just one daughter and it was just one family going through it. You know, I don't know if it would have helped the, the, with the writer of this skills probably still would have fucked it up. But I mean, I failed to understand why we had two possessed children other than to be like in the previews back to the previews that were better constructed than the movie. Other to be like in the previews, oh, look, we got two. Oh, man, you know this going to be some shit because we got two possessed people. I still fail to understand why we did it this way. If we weren't going to do more possession stuff, figuring that out, have more interactions with the possessed uh, with the possessed children, I just don't understand why we did this if we weren't going to do more of that stuff. Yeah. It's like you, you added two girls to up the stakes, but didn't do anything else. But then also the way you structured your movie, you're not even upping the stakes. It's yeah. all a lie. And, and just, they, they just did stuff for the sake of it happening, you know, just like with the two girls or like the priest. He was like, no, I don't want to do it. Then he's out in his car. Then he comes in there and does it anyway. He gets his neck broken. He could have just been in there from the start if that's what's going to happen. Why did he need to be not do it and not get approval, then be in his car, then come in and then get his neck snapped? Why did all that? Why why did he have this little journey here? What was the point of all that if he were just going to snap his neck? I just don't think they knew what they were doing, man. Also, did they take pictures of the little girls when they showed the like the catechism of priests, whether or not she was possessed or not? Because she straight up had demon. They both had demon eyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that hallmark of, you know, demonic possession according to these movies. I get it. They wanted to falsely add tension by going, oh, nope. They said, no, I can't do anything. It's okay. There's still nine other people in there. It'll be okay. Like, so, yeah, like it would have been like it would have been so much better. Do that shit with the priest. Then they they're like, fuck this. We're still going to do it anyway. You can still have the nurse priestess or whatever the fuck she was. And you then you could have had exorcist mom in there. 
and they were trying to do it. Then yeah. she gets her eyes stabbed out. And then like they freak out and they go out there and then they see the priest is still in his car and he's praying and they're like, dude, shit's going down. We fucking need you. And then he could have come in. Then you could have had her like then break the neck. You would have at least amplified the tension at that point. Yeah, there was just no tension. Yeah, Because yeah. nothing else had happened whenever he comes in before he gets his neck broke. Nothing had happened. They were just still sitting in a chair with the same heartbeat. That's it. Yeah. Which also, why didn't anything happen before that to anybody else? Like, why was it only the priest that they decided to kill? Like, there were so many other opportunities they had to kill anybody else in that circle, and they just didn't do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's why you up the physicality at that moment and have Mama Exorcist get her eyes stabbed then. Yep. Like, you add that to it. You add... I don't want to say excitement, but you add volatility to the scene that way. You add stakes, you add pressure, you add the urgency that you were telling me was happening that wasn't. You guys got any more thoughts about this movie? I mean, yeah, just a couple of things, but like, First of all, I didn't realize till I looked it up right now that this is the same director that did all the new Halloween movies. I don't know if that's uh that tracks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Except he even did the 2018 which I thought was so good. And I'm looking at like but, some of his other stuff too, but But see, all right, but you look at the stories though. Those stories are paced out to be multiple movies. Yeah. If you look at how he handled the overall arcing trilogy, it starts kind of strong and then just fizzles into nothingness with every passing moment. You can't tell me that this story doesn't almost follow the exact same structure. I mean, that's fair. But I mean, I guess in that sense, like what I thought of when I saw that was like, just there is potential for this to have been so much better. (laughs) Like, because I've seen like, I've seen a movie, at least one movie where he's been better with that kind of thing. But like also he's the producer and directed a lot of episodes of the righteous gemstones, which I haven't seen, but I think you guys have, or one of you has at least, but okay, go back to comedies, motherfucker. Yeah. He did some of the Dickinson show. Uh, yeah. Like he just, he did that movie, the sitter, that comedy, the sitter with uh, Jonah Hill. Like he's just all over yeah. the board with his directing, but well, yeah, go back to comedies. Apparently you got that <laughs> shit. You can't tell a horror movie fucking story structure to save your fucking life. Because like I said, I get that you guys liked the 2018 Halloween movie, but it was still made to be a part of a trilogy. And if you look at just like I said, how he handles the overall story structure, it shows that he has problems with that. Yeah. Especially in the horror realm of things, because this man doesn't really know how to utilize tension he doesn't know how to utilize violence even to me mm-hmm. because those last th- the, the, like, especially the second movie where he just kills 27,000 people in this town yeah. of five, like it just, it becomes grotesque in a way that like, you're not excited about it as morbid as it is. The reason why you like slasher films is the fucking getting excited yeah. about people dying. When yeah. your movie is just going, oh, every two steps he walks and stabs somebody, 
you get kind of numb to it within the structure of a movie. And that's kind of what this is. Yeah, you're right. Because even like in the 2018 Halloween movie, like they slow play a lot of things that happen there of like even the the kills and the deaths, like they're very slow played and you get maybe one or two throughout. And then at the end is when all of that sort of happens. And it's more of the buildup of leading up to how did we get here, which is kind of like what they did in this movie in a way. So, yeah, I mean, I don't disagree. That's that's a good point. Um, another thing, too, that really bugged me about this movie is the whole thing with his neighbors, uh, Leslie Odom Jr.'s neighbors, just straight up walking into the dude's house while he's not there to do a blessing or whatever it was they were doing and just thinking that was going to be completely okay and normal for a guy whose daughter was just missing for three days. Like, what was that? Like, they just walk up in the house like, oh, I'm, I thought it'd be fine. We're doing a blessing. And it's like, you're, you're coming into my house. Like, you're breaking and entering, essentially, is what you're doing. And you think that's <laughs> going to be fine in the midst of what I'm going through? Like, it was the weirdest decision that I've ever seen in a movie. Like, their neighbors were super weird about it. I don't know, but... Yeah, it was just for the sake of kind of doing a jump scare thing. Yeah. He opens the door and there's somebody looking kind of spooky and there's smoke. Yeah. It was just, the, it and they did sense. that a lot in this movie. There was a lot of scenes just for the purpose of having a jump scare. Like when she slams her hand against the glass and it breaks a little bit. And it's just that, and it's just that one note technique of a quick jump cut, something loud happens. That's how they did everything in this movie. It was like, a, that happened so many times where we just jump cut, thing happens in your face. Or like, we're looking at the vision, jump cut, and then there's a scary face in the vision. You know, it was, a, a, and noises. It was a lot of just that kind of cookie cutter jump scare bullshit. But it was also ineffective. Yeah. Like, yes. Exactly. Ineffective. It's like, yeah. Maybe once or twice did it actually kind of work. And then the more the movie went on, you're not even jumping at the jump scares. And see, I guess that is sort of where it does fall into the camp of the nun too, where it's like nothing surprised me or scared me that you thought was going to jump scare me. Like, I mean, and I guess I also didn't like how it, it honestly felt like as much as I think the overall performances of most of them was, was, good any time that any of the characters that were trying to give an inspirational moment or speech it just didn't land any time like Ellen Burstein who is like I think she's a critically acclaimed actress of sorts if I'm not mistaken like you make everything that she says sound like she's just reading out of a you know inspirational life coaching book and like it just doesn't fit with anything else happening and then even the lady who kind of acts as the priest when she's given that whole speech of, I will take up this task and whatever she's saying. And I'm like, this doesn't make sense that you would be able to do this and it effectively work, first of all. <laughs> but also, like, you're trying to motivate us when it's not coming across genuine or realistic at all. So anytime they tried to be emotional or inspirational in this movie, it fell completely flat every time. Yeah, and that's because a lot of that, too, is because we don't know this character. We haven't had enough scenes with them. We don't care about this character. So this Justin. character being like, oh, you know, I'm 
I, I'm, I'm going to take on this task and I'm trying to, you know, I, I had an abortion, but now I'm going to redeem that in some way. And I'm trying to do this now and help these people, this uh, family that I know it didn't come across because we didn't see enough of that character. You know, we just didn't know anything about her. Just a couple of scenes here and there of her trying to help. And now she's just this big integral part. It was the same thing with the neighbors. They do this weird thing of home invading and stuff. And we have a few conversations with these characters and now they're there at the house, all helping with the exorcism. Why didn't we just focus on the parents and that journey, the the two parents, the the two parents over here, and the father over here, that should have been the journey. Is that 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 should have been what we were focused on? And maybe you brought back in uh, Ellen, the, and maybe her w- with the whole exorcist stuff. That she should have been that bridge, and that should have been the primary journey. I I think. They were trying to have this like motivational thing of, look, we've got all these different people of all these different beliefs and look how in a way all of them are similar and trying to help and all of this kind of stuff. And it was supposed to be this like meaningful, diverse thing. And none of it came across because we didn't care about these characters, you know, Justin, what are you talking about? You didn't know that woman. She yelled about trash cans at the beginning of the movie, Justin. What do you mean? (laughs) Right. You knew everything (laughs) you needed to know about her. Important, important scenes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So important to her development. I mean, and kind of. Right. And like a little bit sort of on the point that you made earlier, Justin, about like all the things that the mom tried in the original of like you know, who she's going to, to figure out what's going on and get it solved. And like, you just see her struggle and you do see a little bit of her desperation and things like that of what's going on. And, um, they didn't really do that. And again, it's nothing against Leslie Odom Jr.'s performance because I think he did the best he could really kind of do with the script they gave him for his character. But to see more of that would have been like the desperation of, of things like I said, like he's angry at God for this happening again to him and all of these things. And like just the desperation of, I don't care what it takes. I just need this to not be happening anymore or whatever. Like you don't get that desperation or that moment where you feel like you're like empathizing with the character as much in this movie because they just didn't give you a script to do that, you know? Yeah. And and like and so it just made some of his decisions not seem realistic. Like, okay, if they get if they're found three days later and they get checked out by the doctors and the doctors say, well, they're clean. You know that one doctor was talking to him was like, well, everything's gonna be fine. I mean, they're clean. You know, no, they weren't raped. There wasn't anything. We can't find anything. They're clean. And then all this, and then your daughter starts doing all this crazy shit. Wouldn't the first thing you would have done is gone back to that hospital and been like, no, something has to be wrong. Right. Because she's doing this. She's doing that. Like you would have just gone back to the hospital. That would have been that character, especially him being a non-believer. There wouldn't have been this whole thing of, 
oh, let me go by what these other parents are saying about the possession. Like they they had that scene in there where the mother was like, well, the Jesus went for three days and came back and our daughters went for three days and came back. And that was just accepted as what was happening to these kids. I think he would have been like, no, nah, that's some bullshit. I'm taking my daughter back to the hospital so we can find out what's going on. And then through some trial and error and some people not being able to answer questions and a lot more shit, then maybe he goes back to them and it's like, okay, what is this three-day demon shit about again? Like, But I just <laughs> right. don't think he would have gave in that quick. I don't think he would have yeah. moved so quickly that direction. You know what I mean? But I also think that for the, the parents of uh, Catherine, like, as devout as they were and as much as they believed that this was a possession, they were the ones that decided to take care of their daughter at home. And I'm like, wouldn't you be the one specifically not just taking care of her at home because you are the ones who believe that this is something way more than what you would be able to handle? Didn't make sense to me that that was their choice. You know what I mean? Like that just didn't make any sort of sense. And then the only thing I have to say is that scene that you were talking about earlier, Sterling in the church where she's coming down and she's covered in the wine and doing the whole body and the blood thing. I mean, don't put it in the trailer if that's going to be your biggest moment of creepiness in this, because I think that's what it was supposed to be. Um, But also like, I think that that scene would have been better served if it was like, they hadn't been found before then. And that's how they find her is coming into the church like that. And that's like the first time that they see her and find her. I think that that would have built a lot more suspense and tension in that moment. And you still get that moment, but it's more of like, we haven't seen you in three days. Like what is going on here? This is the first thing that you're doing when we see you. Like, I feel like that would have been a better way to do that scene. No, that's very, yeah. 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 You might be right about that. And the, and maybe that even goes for the other daughter too. What if the father comes back and she's just in the bed sleep or whatever, you know, he wakes up and she's in her bed sleep and he's like, "Oh, Oh my God. You know, she came back home, everything like that. He's trying to ask her all these questions. She seems kind of disoriented stuff like that and then kind of that weird shit that was happening where you know she wet the bed and he was like whoa you wet the bed he's trying to get her in the bathroom and all that shit what if that was his first interaction with her you probably could have done both of those interactions could have been the first interactions and it would have been so much more intense and like intriguing if that was the case Yeah. But no, instead we got this bullshit. Also, I know you guys have both like kind of praised Leslie Odom Jr. a little bit. Fuck Leslie Odom Jr. Fuck you for kind of implying that this movie might be worth a damn because you're pretty good in the other shit I've seen. Fuck you for lying to me also. I have nothing against his performance. I have everything in to, like against him just being in this movie. Just the fact that he had the audacity to be in it. Yeah. So he, <laughs> yeah, he should have just made a better decision. Got it. <laughs> like that was that. The, the thing is, is I'm like, man, 
this movie may not be good, but you know, we'll get some good Leslie Odom Jr. This right. movie, this movie is this movie is so nothing that I can't say we got a good Leslie Odom Jr. He's just in a movie. I but I, and I also feel like um, they really tried to play into the fact that the that Catherine really resembles a lot of of Reagan when she was younger. Like she looks a lot like her character. I feel like they could have also played into that more with Ellen Burstein's character coming in. You know, and and being like kind of almost a PTSD situation where she sees her and like remembers her daughter at that age um, or something like that, where you feel like that's supposed to play a bigger part into this whole thing going on. And it really doesn't. So I don't know what that was about. None of it matters. No. Anything else? Any other final thoughts? No, nah, I'm good. Nah. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. We are Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook. We are Cinema underscore Slayers on Instagram and threads. We are at Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok at Cinema Slayers pod on YouTube. Give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friend's family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Leslie Odom Jr. in anything else. Or getting your eyes stabbed by a demonic child. That yeah. too. Yeah. Cross-eyed. Yeah, cross-eyed. Cross-eyed. Yes. They love a good cross-eyed. Uh, shout out to Plug Migo and Mudo Choa for our theme song and logos respectively. Just remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we are both pro-slut, pro-Sydney, and also pro-naked. Yeah. And as I always in these podcasts, these TikToks, these YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. I still can't believe this movie made you break up, BK. I'm, I can't believe this movie made you mention fucking. You, you, you crucified me an episode or two ago because I brought up Burger King. You were like, no, Justin, we've, we've done this. We're not going to do this anymore. We're not going to talk about this anymore. We're not going to do this. And then you saw this movie and you brought up Burger King. I just think this that is the craziest shit. <laughs> this movie is so fucking bad. It almost made me ruin my streak of impeccable transitions into our theme song. <laughs> this movie did something to you, man. Yeah, it you it disoriented you. Yeah, it did, dude. You got wrecked. Using real. good and Ronald Reagan in the same sentence, like this movie messed you up, man. I don't know if I said good. You said he's too good for this movie. <laughs> I don't remember yeah. that. I blacked out. Yeah, that's fair. I was <laughs> was it you? For a little bit. I don't remember. Yeah, you don't remember. <laughs> Fuck this movie. All right, I'm out.